Hello, dear sweet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Dunkle Vision. We're very excited to have our guest. He's got his finger on the pulse of the future. He is a full-time professional YouTuber, and you may know him from his channel. Sean Chandler talks about, he talks about movies, films, television. He talks about movies and films, Chris. Both of them. <laughs> talks about both of them. Please welcome Sean Chandler. Sean Chandler. We really appreciate hey. you joining us on the Dunkel Vision. How are you today, brother? Uh, I'm doing good. Looking forward to have a fun conversation. Absolutely. You're coming to us from the beautiful city of Austin, Texas. I am in Indeed. Los Angeles. Crispy, where are you today? You still at home? Northeast Maryland. Representing the East Coast. Well, we're really psyched that you're here, Sean. Uh, we usually start with... Uh, a question, but first of all, I want to say it's a bit of a departure for us. We've been doing this for a year. We usually interview people that are, are older than you, that are more known for okay. their nostalgia, their nostalgic qualities from 20, 30 years ago. But you know what? This is an ever-changing world, and some of the old guys like me, we need to kind of get a grip on on, on what you are, are becoming an expert at, mm -hmm. and that's posting and content and, and YouTube. Right. And I'm... I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to get into it. I'm learning more every day. So we're really excited to have you here so to uh, maybe teach us a little few things. But our first question is always, what is your origin story? Why did you first decide, I want to be in a world of creativity. I want to li live uh, this life of, uh, of, of, of being an artist and producing content. So ever since I've been a child, I loved nerdy stuff. Hmm. And as soon as I got my $5 or five hour AOL trial disc back in the early 90s when I was in middle school. I went to the internet and I looked up every movie webpage I could find, which at the time there was about three of them. So I found all of them and I was just always the person on the internet. So in the late 90s, when I was in high school, I learned just a little bit of coding to put a members.aol.com website up. It was a Jackie Chan fan webpage. Nice. It had a picture of his body and you could click on each body part to figure out in which movie he injured that body part. <laughs> but besides that one idea, it was a you know, pretty terrible website because I didn't know what I was doing. So you know, after a year or so, uh, I got up to like a thousand views, but 990 of those were just be clicking refresh and the other 10 were my mother. <laughs> it's a start. It's it's something. And so that's kind of the what I always kind of did. I always went to the internet to try and share ideas, hear what other people were saying and doing. And so all throughout the zeros, I was doing um, message boards, all that fun stuff. And then starting around 2010, I started hearing about this place called YouTube where people are posting videos, talking about movies, movie reviews. And so I just started discovering some of these other people, started dabbling in it just a little bit. And never stuck with it. I'd do it for a little bit. Life would get too busy. I'd yeah. abandon it. And then in summer 2016, I, I had been working at a church, but uh, when you work with people, you um, there's a lot of stress. So I formed a drinking problem and they don't really like that when you work at a church. <laughs> and so uh, I found myself 2016. Um, I resigned to try and get help because I'd gone full-blown alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I was unemployed, unemployed and I was in rehab. And I went, I love talking movies. What's my escape from my life kind of sucks right now. Sure. So I went to YouTube and I went to go see that new Ghostbusters movie that come out in 2016, the Lady Ghostbusters. And every take on the internet was, if you like this movie, you're an idiot. Or <laughs> if you don't like this movie, that's because you're a sexist. And right. I thought, you know, there's probably something in the middle. You can say like, it's just like mediocre blockbuster stuff. So I posted this video on a whim. Assumed I wouldn't stick with it. And uh, two and a half years later, I went full time with it. And um, I, at that time, I was delivering paint 
So I had a manual labor job where I wasn't using my brain. So every day I'd get home and I was like, I just got to create something. Something yeah. has to exist. And so eight hours a day, I would carry 50 pound buckets of paint across hot Texas. Then I'd go home, hang out with my kids and wife for three, four hours before they went to bed. Then I'd stay up till two in the morning, writing, shooting and editing videos, wake up the next day, chug some Red Bull and do it again. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you know, I've been doing this. I started another podcast on my own with Chris's tutelage. He's taught me everything that I know. And it's one of those where it's it's got to come out every Wednesday. It's one of those weekly mm-hmm. and man, just learning how to edit. I could sit and edit for nine hours and not think like a half an hour has gone by. Mm-hmm. I really, you're either people are into it or they're not. And, right. uh, you know, you really got to love it to do what you're doing. Um, now, when did you know, when would you make the jump? I can do this now and get rid of the nine to five. By the way, when you said deliver, I didn't anticipate paint. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've yeah. delivered pizza. I've delivered food. Paint. That's great. When did you know that you would be able to? say goodbye to the paint world and just do nothing but this. Yeah, so um, November 2017, so five years ago this month, I, I tweaked my formula just a little bit. I, I kind of went, looked at my numbers and I went, when I do just a movie review, it gets like 100 views. When I do like a, when I talk about the whole franchise, it gets 500 views. I'm not brilliant with math, but sure. 500 is more than 100. Let me double down on that. Yeah. And then I also had the thought of like, okay, my video is like 40 minutes long. I don't have time to watch one of those. What if I made it the length that I would watch? Sure. Oh, like these aren't like incredible ideas, but it's just stopping to look for the obvious. Yeah. Applied the obvious. And so in November 2017, applied those principles to a video and I had my first video that kind of took off. And not, you know, Mr. Beast numbers, not hundreds of millions, not even millions of views, but it was making enough money to kind of fill the gap between what I needed because I was underemployed delivering paint, what yeah. I needed to make and um, where we were actually making. Um, and so I had been applying it at other jobs and I went, this is working. This wasn't a fluke. It's not a video of me getting hit with the balls. Like, you know, this is actually a strategy I applied. This is repeatable. Yeah. And so I, I actually turned down all the jobs I was applying for, even though this wasn't, it was kind of a bit of a risky choice. Jump forward a few months. It was actually February, 2018. Uh, that's when Black Panther came out. And I put out two videos, kind of tweaked my formula once again, expanded what I was covering and put out these two videos right after it came out. And to this day, they're the two most viewed videos on my channel. And I started making more money from YouTube than I was from delivering paint. And is that, does that income keep coming once you hit a certain number? Like how, you know, I, cause I really am a novice at this and I want to okay. learn. So I, can you just go through like, how exactly do, do you monetize on YouTube? Cause I'm sure there's a lot of other old guys out mm-hmm. there. Like we don't know what we're doing, but like, you know, walk us through what the actual process of that. And especially with, um, is it, what do you call it on YouTube? Tag words, not hashtags. What do you actually call that? And that's how people can find it. Can you go just talk a little bit about that process? Yeah. So my mother has these exact same questions. She'll be appreciate the fact that I'm going to explain how I make a living. Well, she's my people. (laughs) Right. So the the built-in system, uh, YouTube is owned by Google and Google has a program called AdSense. And it's essentially just a program where if you have a blog, you can sign up for AdSense. And I had had past blogs. I already had an AdSense account. And essentially, when ads run on videos on YouTube, they split that 60-40 with um, the creator. And who gets the 60? Uh, the creator does. The creator, great. And YouTube gets 40%. So they, they actually do a pretty nice little split there. Yeah. They do all the work. 
they they track down. You don't have to do any of the work to do anything. You just have to reach a certain threshold to earn the right to be into it. So it's like a thousand subscribers in four thousand hours of watch time in a year. So okay. if, once you hit those two markers, which they're not that they're they're that's they are those are tough difficult markers dip. But once you hit them, you're in their program. And for me, I make um between three and five dollars for every thousand views. Okay that I get. Uh usually Christmas that number starts to double cuz it's it's an ad market. So um but that every base they do all of the stuff the, the complicated advertising stuff. Yeah. So if like you your target audience for a channel if you cover like um review iPhones your audience is 45-year-old men with a bunch of disposable income. So your ad rate is way higher than mine. I talk about movies about grown men in cosplay punching CGI aliens in space. Like, it's 17-year-old guys all across the globe. They don't have money. So my ad rate's a lot lower. I see. And and so, but they do all of that for you. And so that's my primary set, uh, revenue stream is that. But yeah. then anytime you have an audience, you can monetize it. So then when people realize you have an audience, uh, brands start coming to you and it turns into kind of the radio model. Hey, will you talk about my thing for a minute and I'll so pay you So people actually much contact you then? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's, that sounds like up my alley. <laughs> yeah. It, once you start kind of getting a certain size and people are aware of you, then they'll start reaching out to you because they want to get in front of your audience with, sure. their, with their product. And that that's where things start getting really cool because like, wait, you'll pay me that much money for just one minute yeah. of talking about a thing? Well, well, that's pretty cool. And so then there's that one. I have a membership site where I do like weekly Q&As. And so if you kind of, you know, pay a couple dollars per month, then you can join that and ask me as many questions as you want. I sell t-shirts. So you just kind of think through all the little ways. And then there's uh, the last big one. It's called affiliate marketing. Mm. And you think, like Amazon.com has an affiliate program where you sign up for the affiliate program, any product on Amazon, you can get a link for it. And if you get someone to click on your link and they buy that product, you get 2% of the purchase back or something so like you that. So you have one of those, ba- well, those badges kind of, is that what they're mm-hmm. called on your on your YouTube yeah. site? Mm-hmm. Right. And I you can have a yeah, little click bit on those. And so then like for me, I'll, you know, you can, uh, like I have, my office is filled with movie posters, Funko Pop, stuff like that. And people be like, Hey, where did you get that poster? Here's a link. They click on it. And the way that it actually works is it puts a little cookie on their computer Mm. and anything they purchase in the next 24 hours, you get credit for. So I'll have someone click on my little poster that costs $8 and then they'll go and buy their college textbooks. Yeah. This has happened. They bought their college textbook. It's a $250 textbook and I get credit for that. And then they go buy a $150 pair of shoes and I get credit for that. Or I'll tell them, you know, buy, uh, here's the equipment I use. So they go, oh, I want to start doing YouTube. They click on my links to buy my equipment. And then they also buy a mic and they buy some lights. And then they go, oh yeah, I also need this other thing. Yeah. And so you get, so you just try to think through every video. What's that extra revenue stream besides AdSense? So you just kind of layer it a little bit. How can I always push someone towards another revenue stream? Yeah, this is all great. I'm really great. I'm really glad that you, you, you're talking to us today because especially when the pandemic hit, I think mm-hmm. everybody in this kind of uh, the mm-hmm. entertainment industry, I mean, I'm a comedian, no more comedy, no more right. auditions. It was done. And and I started shooting a YouTube channel with my kid, a gaming channel, just for fun. Mm-hmm. He was seven at the time. 
didn't have any idea how to really market it, but I was just like, I, I'm, I, I got to kill time. And boy, it's right. time consuming. It really is. Mm-hmm. But it was really, really fun. And I just thought he's going to have this forever. He can look back and he has interest in being a YouTuber. And, and uh, we're kind of <laughs> limiting because he's nine years old now. So and, every you know, kid he, under 18 wants to be a YouTuber. Every uh, single one of them, that's their dream. And I got a monitor. I'm like, what is he watching today? And then, mm-hmm. no, he, your mm-hmm. son said this in school. I'm like, you know, okay, mm-hmm. no YouTube for a week. And I know we don't want to <laughs> discourage people from YouTube, but, <laughs> you know, it's uh, some stuff's age appropriate. And you never know whether you're next ready for the next level. But, yeah, this is great because I'm trying to now, like, what if we get locked down again? What if there's mm-hmm. another pandemic? What We don't know what's going to happen. How do you how do you survive and make a living if you can't leave your home? Mm-hmm. And you figured it out, and a lot of people are figuring it out. So we really, really appreciate you imparting this knowledge. Now, at so what I point- went full time February uh, 2019, right before Endgame came out. I wanted yeah. to ride the wave of that's going to be the biggest movie ever. I'll ride that wave, and it worked great. One year in, right as all the big blockbusters drop, COVID happens, and they stop releasing movies and yeah. I reviewed new movies for a living. And so I had this thought of like, Oh man, did I make the word? Like, did I just screw myself over? Right. as everything tanked? I have nowhere to go. But then I went, everyone's at home. They're just sitting there watching YouTube. Yeah. So whoever has wins the game of coming up with ideas, whoever is the most clever, they're going to be fine. And I, that's what I'm pretty good at. And so I actually ended up making, I did the math on it. I made $50 more in 2020 than I made in 2020 or 2019, like literally only $50 more. But I, I like just hustled and tried to work all those revenue streams. And by the end of it, $50 more, even though new movies weren't coming out. Uh, that's great. See, I just thought everybody would want to see me playing video games with my seven-year-old kid. And, you know, dozens of people did. <laughs> but I have a good, I have a big family, so that helps. What did you spend the 50 bucks on? <laughs> Buy yourself something pretty. I bought a beautiful new poster for my office, so wasted nice. it on one more one more goofy thing in my background. Hey, I, I understand nice that very in. well. <laughs> and I have a curtain. Just a plain blue curtain. That's how I rock. Now, how how else do you promote this? Do you promote this through social media? Uh, or is this all just basically through search searching on YouTube and the following you already have? I have had the most success just trying to play the YouTube game mm. uh, for me. Cause I, I started, I didn't have a following on Twitter or anything else. Yeah. Uh, and even in real life, because when you work at a church, come out as the alcoholic pastor, I even had strained relationships with the, you know, my friends and stuff like that. Yeah. So even like, Hey guys, I'm starting a YouTube channel. Come check it out. Even that wasn't like, I was kind of like doing it a little bit in secret, yeah. <laughs> doing this little thing. But uh, one of the things I said at the beginning, you know, YouTube's open owned by Google. So right. it, it's uh, YouTube itself is the second largest search engine in the world yeah. behind you, uh, Google. Right. So the top two are kind of the same company. And YouTube's entire business model is about surfacing content, getting people to stay on their platform longer so they could put more ads in front of them. So if you can just kind of work the algorithm, come up with like video titles and thumbnails that are concepts that people are searching for, conversations they're interested in interacting with, if you're solving a problem for them, it'll start to surface your videos a little bit. 
I was just going to say, I've checked out a couple of your, your, some of your videos. They're really well done. They, they look great. They're very slick, well-produced. And that's really important is, you know, I, I've heard a thumbnail is very important, something mm-hmm. that's eye-catching and, and you're definitely, you're definitely hitting the nail on the head there. It's, it's, so it's perceived professionalism. So exactly. you want something that catches their eye, eye, they see it and they go, that looks like that's going to be worth my time. And that's an idea that's enticing enough for me to click on. Right. And then you you keep them, get them to sc- subscribe and come back by delivering on the promise of the sure. title. And then you just put the good product out. That's what I've mm-hmm. been trying. I just put the product out and worry about all this later. But you got mm-hmm. you got to do both. Mm-hmm. Like I got a fantasy football podcast I just started and I'm 10 episodes in. I'm, I, don't, I don't even know if I've put the search words in yet. I'm just trying to just yeah. make sure I know what I'm doing. I can do the All right, we've... We've done it now for 10 weeks. We know we kind of know what we're doing. And now it's time to try and like really mm-hmm. looking forward to next season. How do we really mm-hmm. dive into the monetization? Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. When did you first uh, discover that you were a movie buff? Where, where does your love of movies come from? Man, I just that's my earliest memories are of sitting with my family watching Top Gun. Uh-huh. And then it gets to the love scene, and they're like, "Hey, get here! We haven't had that conversation. Get out of here!" And then you know, five years later, it was like, "Oh, now I, now I get with it." That's so funny. My me. son did this. Does the same thing. If somebody kisses, he yeah. goes, "Dad, have you seen this remote? This is a really great remote. It has many yeah. functions." Like, what are you doing? I'm like, "Oh, you're just pretending that's not happening. I got uh-huh. you. You'll get there." And so that's some of my earliest memories is if, if of that, the yeah. kissing scene, being like, ew. And then you know, summer 1989, Batman 89 came out. Um, I, one of my earliest memories is we did a, I, when I was young, we moved from California to Texas. And then the next summer we drove back and we stopped at some theater in the middle of nowhere, Arizona. And it was a one screen theater playing Star Trek five and it had a balcony and they wouldn't show the movie if they didn't sell 20 tickets. And so we were the first there sold three, t- we had three tickets for my family and we're sitting there counting every head that came in. We got to 20. So we got to see Star Trek five, that you know abomination of a film, but it's like, that's like, that's just what I always did. And growing up, my sister and I would ride our bikes to the local comic book shop every Saturday and my mom took us to Star Trek conventions all throughout the 90s. And so that, that was just kind of always there of just that That's nerdy great. escapism. Just always love that stuff. So it's really a family influence. Did you have older <laughs> siblings? Did they specifically, did they show you movies you weren't ready for? Because I'm going through that with my son. Like, I don't want to watch a cartoon <laughs> tonight. Let's try Stripes. Oh, you know, and uh, and he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, don't know if I'm exposing him to stuff too quickly. But then I think, hey, I was nine, ten years mm-hmm. old when those movies came out, and they're such mm-hmm. a, a part of my memory. I I think I saw them at the time. Right. Um, so I have an older I have a brother who's half brother that's 15 years older than me. He didn't grow up with us. Then I have a sister that's uh, three and a half years older than me. So we we spent a lot of time together, but she's always been more uh more of a rules person than me. So what it was for me more was your parents would go to bed and then I'd go and sneak and watch, you know, Predator on TNT and TBS late at night and the Friday the 13th movies. And I would discover them. And it was like the, like the secret thing that I was doing late at night, but um, it wasn't specifically that they were persuading me to watch them. And then uh, one of my friends down the street had me house sit while they're out of town and they had a dual tape of Terminator and Terminator 2. So I'd go over there to like, you know, water their plants and feed their dog. And then I'd stay for four hours watching Terminator 1 and 2. Nice. Uh, See, there's, I'm dating myself. If I snuck out downstairs to watch something late, there was three channels. 
And at a certain point, they just all went to snow after the national anthem. Like, I, it was Carson. That's what I got. It was Carson. And, and when I got a little older, Letterman, I think that was 1982 when he started. I was 11 years old. So um, let me ask you this. what? How do you decide what you want to make a video about? And, and how, did, how, did, how has that changed over the time you've been doing that? I know you say you do brand new movies and, and, and reviews, but how did that kind of uh, evolve for you? So when I was starting out... I just knew what content I liked mm-hmm. watching. And so I just kind of was basically doing a cover band of everybody that I liked. Oh, I like this guy's reviews. I like these this person's rankings. Oh, this person does the news. And so yeah. I just copied everybody kind of for about six months, tried everything. And you would try their style. And this guy, does, he's a roast thing. He just tries to dunk on everything. And he's hilarious and he's mean. I'll do that a little bit. Yeah. And you sort of realize, I, you know, I don't like being the mean, cynical guy. I talk about movies because I love movies. And so that's the energy that I kind of want to bring to this. Just like this, so this youthful giddiness about nerdy movies, despite the fact that I've been married for 15 years and have three kids. And so kind of <laughs> discovered certain things I didn't like to do. And about nine months in, I touched on this a little bit, but I decided to kind of just look at my analytics and Google is just as creepy as you think. They track everything and they share all the information. They show you a graph of your videos of what percentage everybody watches. So you know exactly which part they watch the most. You can see exactly when they leave. They have uh, one called click-through rate where they tell you what percentage of times people click on your video when it appears and is recommended to them. And they share all that information with you. And so I just kind of went, okay, let me study this. Let me do the hard work, the unpleasant, the non-fun side of this to learn what works. Right. And dove into it and kind of, you know, you make some of those choices of like, okay, this is the stuff that works that I'm still excited about. Because, you know, you can, if you go too far down that path of like, what works, what works, what works, all of a sudden you're just designing content for an algorithm and it's sure. not about your passion anymore. But what's that right balance of, I'm good at this. People like when I do this and it works. And I, I, I'm still satisfied by that, by, yeah. by this content. So I try to do a lot of those kind of deep dives and then um, kind of figuring that out. And then I still try to keep running little experiments to figure out what's next. Because I don't want to get burned out and I don't want to burn my audience out on doing the same sorts of sure. things. And so how do I keep changing the formula? Okay, that one didn't work. I tried that. It was fun for me. No one cared. So maybe I won't do a ton of those. Yeah, a lot of but trial a and lo- error. Yeah, it's, it's very much trial and error and kind of evaluating and pausing sometimes to just think, am I still having fun? Is this still what I, is this still why I got into this or have I kind of gotten off track and I, I'm just ch- chasing clicks? And right. now you yeah. said, you said at first you were kind of just doing it half ass. At what point, like how much more time did you start putting it into? When when was that a real clear change for you? Like, I know it's not happening with this, with this amount of effort. What is the amount of effort that really made the difference to really make you see, okay, there's something that here that I can build on? Because I know all about the half-ass thing and that's, that's mm-hmm. where I live. And I'm, I, I got to move out. I got to start being more smarter about this and more business savvy. So there's been a couple phases of that. In a sense, there was 20 years of that, which yeah. I put up my, that first web page in 1998. And I stuck with it for a little bit and then just abandoned. I had a lot of those just abandoned it. So the piece number one is just to say, I'm going to keep doing, I'm going to keep making a deposit here every single week. Right. Chip and away. so that was, that was starting 
July 2016, I went, I like this. This is kind of working. So I'm just going to do this. I'm going to keep doing it. And then it was six months in where it was like, I'm I, I'm actually sticking with this. It's working a little bit. So I actually kind of went to my wife and I went, hey, can you carve me out a night where I always go to the movies on this night of the week? And so then it was kind of committing to the hobby and getting permission to commit the time to be gone one night a week to commit to the hobby. Mm. So that was about six months in. And then it was it was about a year in where I was like, okay, let's let's stop just doodling around. If I'm gonna keep doing this, I need to try and make it work. Mm. And that's where it was it was adding that next piece of um if you want the results of a a professional, you have to act like a professional. And professionals do the work that you don't want to do. Yeah, the tedious stuff. Yeah, everybody likes to talk about movies. Well everybody does that. Everybody wants to like, you know, just hit record and talk sitting there and going through analytics at one point in time uh, in 2018, I, I made a 25 page report where I went through 20 of my videos and I went through every single, the, these charts that Google analytics give you. And I looked at every single one and saw where people left, where stuck, they stuck around the most and saw exactly what was happening at each of those moments to, and wrote notes on 20 different, 25 page report just for myself. Yeah. Like that, it was that sort of stuff. So it was starting probably about a year in. And then when I, uh, right before the two year mark, things started to get that traction where I realized this could work. Mm. This could actually become something that happens. And that was February, 2018. That's where I went. This is now my other job. I deliver paint during the day. And then at nighttime, I have this other job because this is going to take over. Right. And it was, it was probably yeah February, 2018, where I went, I have to treat this like a job and do the hard work. I have to sometimes decide I'm not going to cover this thing that I'm excited about because I know no one's going to watch it. Hmm. And I'm going to cover some other things over here that maybe I'm not as excited about, but I know there's interest and demand for it. Sure. And once again, always balancing to make sure I don't do that too much and I don't go too far in one direction. But it was really February 2018 where I realized there's a future here. Yeah, this, this, is, this is really great for people to hear because this applies to everything in life. If you find something that you're passionate about and if you if you gain all the knowledge that you can about it mm-hmm. and you put the work in, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, trying to forge your own reality and create it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and we've interviewed some people that, really, you know, one went from a fan of Kevin Smith to being in his movie. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, if you if you focus on something and you, you put the effort in, man, God in the universe will reward mm-hmm. you. You know, and this is a perfect example of it. Um, let me ask you that. Well, for, can I ask you how old are your kids? Uh, 10, 8, and 4. Okay. And so how active are they on the internet and how do you police that? And, and what do you allow <laughs> them to see and how much screen time? And that's a big question a lot of parents yeah. have. Yeah. So um, they're like most kids their age and YouTube is their TV and YouTubers yeah. are their stars. Yeah. And they don't understand the concept of broadcast television really. They, they know a few streaming shows, and then there's a couple of broadcasts, uh, like Lego Masters. Like, we watch a couple of the, the ones from the main networks together. Yeah. But when they're just deciding what they're watching, they have favorite YouTubers. And they can't distinguish between Mr. Beast with 100 million subscribers and these girls that are in Dallas that just kind of do little craft videos that have 20,000 subscribers. They're equally – they're just YouTubers to them. Yeah. And um, so that's – kind of the main thing that they like to consume. And so, yeah, we, we try to, as best we can, um, 
put limitations on it and yeah. to so, so that they don't just become addicts. It's a little bit tough because I watch TV for a living. Yeah, and I'm so passionate hard. about it. My whole but daddy does it. <laughs> yeah, like like I and and my whole thing is I I'm excited about movies and TV and I want to share with it about people. So I want to share that with my kids. Yeah. And so if I need to watch through a movie franchise that my kids are ready to watch, then I want to watch it with them. Like right now I'm watching through all of Steven Spielberg's movies. So it's like you know, hey kids, let's watch ET. And so like I want them to watch these movies that I watched when I was growing up. Yeah. Try and get them into those movies. Um but then they also want to watch their their YouTube. They want to play Fortnite. And sure. so it, that's what we like have those hard choices of like, okay, okay, okay. I can't show them everything I want to show them because I also don't want them to just spend all of their time on technology. And it it's it is so tough, in particular when you do what I do for a living. Oh, sure. You know, I'm in the entertainment business. I watch a lot of movies and television. It's part of my job. You know, as a comedian, you try and know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he's going to want to watch a lot of stuff. But, you know, just getting them to getting him to sit through an entire movie, I think, is an important thing to do because mm -hmm. these kids, their attention span, it's just getting smaller and smaller. And so I don't want everything to be a five minute you know, YouTube show like, hey, this movie's and I'm, I'm I'm finally getting him to sit down and watch the Lord of the Rings. I tried when he was about seven, and I swear to God, I was six minutes into it, and the hobbits are like they're they're going away from the Shire, and my son looks at me, he's like, oh, don't tell me they're going on some big adventure. I'm like, yeah, about a ten more hours, about ten more hours, buddy. And he got he got scared with the horsemen, and I'm like, I'll mm -hmm. wait. Now we're finally watching it. And what's awesome is that I got a 65 inch flat screen, you know, uh, 4K. Mm -hmm. Watching all these movies that I had to grow up, I watched them on a 19 inch, yeah, like the same nine in, 19 inch my whole childhood and my whole life. And now to rediscover these movies, like we used to watch Sound of Music, and it, it was the holidays. It was only on once. Everybody had to watch it. And I thought it was, I felt it was a punishment. My sisters loved it. And I was like, this is crap. And then I'm like, oh, my son's old enough. Now I'm going to punish him. You're going to sit and you're going to watch the sound. I'm watching going, this movie's a masterpiece. This yeah. movie is unbelievable from the first shot. It's gorgeous. So to get to experience it with this whole other visual and the sound, it's really, really amazing. But I feel you yeah, on limiting, I'm limiting the stuff. I'm not, I don't even want to say what my son said at school. The other day, but as a comic, I was conflicted. I was conflicted because <laughs> I kind of like where your head's at, but but you can't say that in yeah, school. Yeah. But you can't make any. I told you, you're you're growing up in a different world. You mm -hmm. cannot make mistakes. I, that's a that's you don't want to mm -hmm. tell your kid that. You want the, you want your kid to be able to make mistakes, but you know they'll cancel a fourth grader. Right. I don't know. That society is not a problem. Canceling a child. It's just really really a crazy time to grow up, and especially with all this content. And I try mm -hmm. to make sure I, I, I see what he's watching. And look, I, he started playing Fortnite during the pandemic. And that's when I broke yeah. down and got him the headset. And I thought, yeah. it's too important. You have to have social interaction. And of mm -hmm. course, I policed it. My, my experience was Call of Duty. When you hear some of the worst things that, that, humanity, oh, yeah. that comes out of humanity on those chat rooms. Oh, my God. So I would listen. <laughs> yeah. And then and, and he became – he had a best friend that he never met. Yeah. That got him through this pandemic. So mm – -hmm. um. I think it's really important. Let me ask you this. What is uh, two questions so you can think about it? What's the best thing about being a full-time YouTuber? And then what's the worst part? <laughs> what what answers? A quick answer to that one is uh, people for both. Um, <laughs> other um, humans. Yeah, other humans. It is really great to just 
get to interact with people about something you're passionate about for a living. Yeah. And um, you know, even to what you just talked about, I've made some great lifelong friends through this YouTube adventure. Just whenever I was starting out, one of the things I did is I just tried to find the other people that had under a hundred subscribers that wanted to do a movie channel. And like one of these guys, uh, his name is Cody Leach. And we kind of became like best internet friends over the last six years. And we'd never met in person until this year. And then uh, I turned 40 last year. And so for my like kind of 40th birthday little trip, I I drove out to where he lives on the other side of the country and hung out with him for a week. It's the first time we'd met in person, but we've been talking over the internet for literally five years. And then um, he came out here for a film festival and stayed at my house for a whole week. So we like spent That's cool. two, two weeks together this year and we met over the internet. And I have a bunch of these different stories of these people that I met four years ago when we were all nobodies just trying to make it. Yeah. And then several of us are now full time. And one of our friends through his YouTube channel got a full time job for running the social media for a, a TV show and like just kind of cool stories of these people we just met early on. So there's a bunch of those cool stories that come yeah. from it. And then the other side to it is that you have the, the comment section. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, and, and, yes. and even some like what you just said of, uh, you know, the, the weird kind of place where culture's at right now. And if you don't like certain movies, Twitter invents a whole narrative about why. Yeah. And, and, and they fill in all the gaps of everything they don't know about you and assume things. And they want to attach you to this narrative of these other groups of people. And, uh, I, I haven't gotten anything too bad because like, there's, there's not really like, if you're trying to dig up dirt on me, like I, yeah. I told you I was an alcoholic. I was a pastor that, you know, was a bad yeah. husband, bad, like bad. Lead pastor with priest. it. Lead like, with I, it. Eight like, mile them, you know, that's what you yeah. got to do. And I, I put it out there, but if you're trying to like spread this message about how I'm actually like this hateful misogynist or something that's a racist, like that there's just no actual real life. And so as soon as people have tried to do that, when I didn't like, like I didn't like certain movies and they went, Oh, it's because you're this and you don't like this. Like, no, that's not the case. And so as soon as they came after me, other people that know me in real life are like, no, he's not like that, yeah, but it's, it, exa- it's exhausting. It really is. And it's just, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's it's sport outrage is what it is, yeah. and that's a, I heard Joe Rogan say that it's a sport outrage. It's all it is. It's recreational outrage. That's what he said, and it's just people that that's all they look for, and that's all they do. And guess what? It always ends up you're a bigot, no matter yeah. what. We'll change yeah. the narrative to say what? Well, you didn't like it, bigot. That's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> Not, we can't all be bigots for God's sakes. <laughs> what? That was like this weird one. It was like, I, I didn't like uh, the Pixar movie that came out this year, Turning Red. For, it was kind of like Teen Wolf. For, I don't think I saw you know, that. Uh, it's a Pixar movie. So it's a lot of things about it that are really well done. A lot of people really dug it. But it, it's kind of like Teen Wolf for 13-year-old girls. But it's a story about like these tweens trying to go to a boy band concert. Like, I'm a 40-year-old man. That's not like a thing. That, <laughs> it's pretty obvious why like I'm not naturally gravitating towards like, this I'm story. i this. Yeah, like... Wouldn't it be weird if I said, like, that's what I'm really into, 13-year-old girls trying to go to a boy band concert? Isn't that weirder? Like, not, like, yep. it, and there was kind of stuff in the story where the We're mom gonna was kind of- We're going to play that clip out of context, and you're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, like, it's a story about, like, the mom's kind of the villain, and I was like, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And people tried to, like, it's because you're a sexist, racist. I was like- I just didn't like a movie. Like I, you could, I could find a thousand counter examples that I did like that counter what you're saying. But more importantly, you're basing this just because I didn't like a movie. That's yeah. weird. That's, yeah. that's sometimes you just, just don't like stuff out of proportion. 
Yeah. And and, right. and anything can influence. You can be something that happened earlier in the day. It could be like, I don't like that. Right. I've heard in the last 48 hours, I don't know why, Jackie Brown is amazing. Jackie Brown sucks. Two people <laughs> in the same business. I remember seeing it in the theater, but I had seen a Woody Allen movie. I'm trying to blank on it. I saw two movies in a row mm-hmm. and it wasn't nearly as good. And that's my judgment on it. I just right. didn't like it. Maybe if I'd have seen a different movie before that, maybe if I had switched the order, I wouldn't have liked the second one. There's mm-hmm. so many things. And now it's just like you're you're inherently evil. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't support everything. Chris, you're not talking, brother. Jump in here with a question. <laughs> well, I just wanted the, to the say- The audience is going to be, where's Chris? We need more Chris. <laughs> I just want to say you both are officially canceled after this conversation just for having yeah. it, so. <laughs> No, uh, double jeopardy. I just, already got canceled. We've been through this. <laughs> yes, we have. I'm scared to talk about certain movies too, and and not for the same reasons as you, Sean, uh, because I, I'm an independent filmmaker, so a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll post, if I comment on a movie on my social media page, I'll piss off people that actually worked on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I review movies but i wouldn't say like i'm a movie reviewer so i have to be a lot more careful because i'm still trying to you know make a living as a filmmaker uh so it's just it's really interesting just how we're just this this public forum is just like we're on all the time everybody has to have an opinion about something and if you don't you get called Mm -hmm. out for not having an opinion on something i mean i've had that happen too but, I mean, yesterday was election day and people were like baiting me into like, what? get in boxes. Who'd you vote for? It's like, what? I talk about movies. Like, I, I literally make my living talking about grown men in, on green screens <laughs> punching CGI aliens. Like, why do you want to know things. On a, did your sticker? Yeah, like, did your sticker calm them down at all when you posted your sticker? <laughs> that, it, like, as soon as I post my picture, like, well, well, what about this? What about like, guys, come on. Like. Let's have a fun space where we just talk about silly movies. Yeah, we yeah. don't have to turn this into a fight. And there's always people in the comments that they, they want to move it in that direction. It's like, but it doesn't matter on my channel, any of that. We're, yeah, we, we'll we need to go movies. back to when people didn't talk about that. My mother would never tell my father who she voted for. And it drove him. Hey, I was young, but I remember he did not like that. And she's like, I'm not telling you. And that should be where we go to. We used to be able to barbecue with the people from the different political mm-hmm. affiliation. And now you're we're supposed to clean our guns. What's going right. on, man? Just vote mm-hmm. and shut up. See, that's why I like to offset everything my kid sees now that's modern, and then I'll show them the jerk. <laughs> yeah. You can't say any of this. Right, Any of right. it anymore. Ever. <laughs> but, and that's what's like, uh, the comedy as a genre of film is, it's fading. Um, it is. People are afraid to make those, those raunch. I mean, all the great comedy. I just heard somebody talking about this. Everybody's scared. Mm-hmm. I think it's well, going it, to swing the other way. It's going it, to swing you, the other way. When humor is inherently transgressive, that's the whole idea of you go up to the line and when you're trying to find the line of like making people uncomfortable and that's why it's funny, sometimes you're going to go too far. But when you have the line is moving so fast, so often, and we're in an age where we're not taking a joke in context anymore, we're taking it at face value based off today's criteria and standards. No one wants to make a joke anymore. No one wants to push boundaries because there's, it's, you just get yourself in trouble when you know, like they're when you can't find someone to host the Oscars because man they made a joke that wasn't that doesn't work anymore 15 years ago it's like I'm a comic and I've been doing this for 30 years and I, I haven't been going on stage I just I'm not into it 
I'm not into it right now. I, I'd much rather do sit and learn this new craft of editing and put this mm-hmm. podcast together. And I sit in my living room and I sing. It's more entertaining. I found I don't need an audience response. I don't care anymore. And when people start throwing stuff and smacking comedians, maybe it's time for us to start smacking back. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I've I, look, there's a very heavy base to that mic stand. Just saying. Very you just keep those names out of your mouth, man. Keep those names out of your mouth. Yeah, you know what? Keep your wife's name out <laughs> a mouth. Oh, stupid. What? A, okay, look. Are, are, we're living in a we're living in a uh, simulation. Is there any doubt in your mind? I, I I remember watching the Oscars this year, and I like I, I was watching with my kids, and oh I, no, being like and. That happened, and uh, we were using our bunny ears, and then the audio cut out right afterwards. And I thought, uh, like, oh, I guess the audio is not working because the bunny ears is nope. is I off. Thought the same thing. I'm on the West Coast. Was, What's going so on? Like, trying to like fiddle with everything to get it to work, and it's like, oh wait, th- this is a real thing that just happened. That of all people, Will Smith <laughs> walked up on stage over a joke that the the most offensive thing about it is that like. How outdated is a G.I. Jane reference? <laughs> I think that's what David Spade said. A G.I. Jane reference? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> the funniest did, thing I read. <laughs> did, did anybody even – like, G.I. Jane who, – who remembers to me more with what? What's going on here? Old people like me. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got it. Yeah, I thought, who wrote this bit? This isn't working. And then what do you do? You immediately go on Twitter. Oh, that's what happened. Oh. What a crazy, what crazy, a, crazy time. And, th- and then he wins. Like that, that's a thing that he, like that happened. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Not maybe you should leave now, sir. Yeah. I don't know. Look, people get kicked out of my shows for less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are some of the reviewers that that you actually really like right now? Um, Other than yourself, I mean, we don't want to plug everybody else, but. You know, Chris wrote the question down, so I'm asking it. Okay, uh, so in the sense of like who start inspired me to start, or uh, which yeah, who, who's in, who's influenced you, whose work do you admire? Like, you know, who, what's out there? So the ones that kind of inspired me to start were kind of the, the some of the Trailblazer movie critics would be Chris Stuckman and Jeremy Johns. They're kind of the two earliest guys. Now both of them right around two million subscribers. Um, uh, one of them's really funny and entertaining. The other one's a little bit more analytical and more subdued personality. So they're kind of the everyone in the movie YouTube space knows those two guys as the quintessential ones. Yeah. Uh, and and that's like I mentioned earlier when when I was starting copying people's styles. I was you know, trying to be funny like Jeremy and Johns and some of them. And I was trying to do the analytical like Chris Duckman and other. Another guy is a guy named John Campia who d- covers movie news. That's always what he's he's done. And he had a show called Movie Talk for several years that he ran. That one was, that was really his stuff was, was very much the one that brought me into the world of like, oh, people talk about movies on the internet. Oh, I could do that too. And so then I tried to copy his show when I was in my first year as well, tried to copy him. So those are probably the three that were just big, gigantic influences on me starting. And the weird thing is that like I, all of them know who I am now and I've interacted with all of oh, that's them. That's cool. It, it, it's, it's very surreal. Like uh, if I'll be on a, a li- um, join live when John Campy is doing a video, if I comment in the chat, He'll say things like, hey, my friend John Chandler's in the chat. Like, we haven't actually met. We haven't really interacted. I don't know that we're friends, but I'm glad I appreciate that you said that. And then like Chris Stuckman, he's been at the the film festival that I I mentioned a little bit earlier that I was at with my buddy Cody Leach. He was at it. He just walked up to us and he goes, hey, I know you two guys. And the whole 
whole week of the film festival, we'd watch movies and then he'd walk up to us in the lobby and talk with us. And it was like, oh, he, he knows my name. He wants to talk with me about movies. It's really happening. That's cool. So th- those are kind of the three um, that really influenced me to start. Uh, it gets tricky from there if I start name dropping because they're literally all my peers and friends and I feel like I leave someone out if I don't say something. No, but this is very interesting because this is just, it's like anything else. It's finding your voice. I went mm-hmm. through the same thing when I started doing stand-up. I was 20 years old. And, you know, when I moved to L.A., I got turned down by one agency and they're like, I I see about three or four different comedians in you. And I thought, well, that's because there are. You see David Letterman. You see Dennis Leary. You see Dana Gould. These are the guys. You see little Anthony Clark. All the guys that I liked and tried to emulate. And it was just until you really find who you really are through kind of all this trial and error. It's very it's a very similar process. That's really interesting to hear. Do you find you get recognized when you go, well, like to the movies or even like to the supermarket? And do you feel like you're a celebrity now, Sean? Uh, it's it's probably just the fun version. It's it's just enough to be fun without being aggravating. That's so, a sweet spot right So there. if I go to my local movie theater, I won't be recognized normally. If I go, when I go tomorrow night for the opening night for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, absolutely people will recognize me. At that one, random t- random Thursday night at the movies, pr- people probably won't know, but but a big sold out Marvel movie opening night. That's those are the ones that built my career. So absolutely, people recognize me. Uh, I have been at Target, and a guy working there walked up to me and was like, like almost shaking a little bit, so excited to see me. And I'm just there with my kids, um, and uh, it was just I like, couldn't believe I was there. Was like, I watch your videos all the time, but it's I, I have those stories, those moments happen. Um, but generally speaking, day-to-day life, it's not too common. Actually, the first time I got recognized like three, four years ago, something like that, I was coming out of just a totally – it was like a World War One documentary. It was like just totally as random of a thing. And um, I had a lot to drink. It just was what uh, – you know, drank a gigantic soda during the movie. I was about to go home. And uh, like my pants were too tight, so I like uh, let my – undid my belt because I just wanted to, I was going to go home as quick as I could. And so I was like just rushing out to the car, drive home real quick. Of all the times to be recognized, <laughs> the day that I'm like, I'll just let my belt loose. I'm going to my car to hear, hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. And these two college students walk up to me and I'm like, I'm about to get jumped. And they're like, this guy loves your YouTube videos. And the guy was so excited he couldn't talk to me. And his buddy, who didn't know who I was, did all the talking. And I was like, do you guys want to grab like a picture? The guy was like, yeah, I'd love to grab a picture. Walk over. We take the picture. And uh, I, I posted on my social media, hey, some people recognize me. And the first comment is like, dude, what's the deal with your belt? It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I delete that version of the picture. Crop it. And repost it. But it was legitimate. The first time I got recognized, I, my belt was undone. <laughs> like, he's uh, really friendly. Yes, he's a weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never do it again, though, right? <laughs> uh, just learn that lesson. But if I go to like comic cons, things like that, you know, every 10, 15 minutes, someone will walk up to me and be like, hey, man. And, uh, you know, I, I do panels at comic cons now talking about YouTube. A lot of the stuff we shared in here, I yeah. do a panel kind of teaching that content. And so, you know, I'll have a, a hour, hour and a half long line with people that want to meet me. So it's just the fun version. I can control it. Doesn't really interrupt my day to day life, and it's a nice, pleasant surprise when I am somewhere and people walk up to me. But it's not so much that it's like, oh man, I better wear a hat when I go out in public. Yeah, I experienced a little of that for a summer, and uh, 
I had a lot of kids just run up and hug me, and that was a lot of fun. But then when you're in the airport and the middle-aged housewives are running up and hugging you, yeah. it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to be touched right now, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I would get like, not, hey, I love your YouTube show. Dunkelman, you suck! While I'm waiting for the valet outside of a restaurant with my girlfriend, I'm like, I just came for a burrito, man. Right. <laughs> what, did I, what the hell did I do? Um, now, uh, Chris tells me that you are also a youth pastor. Are there any similarities between yeah. being a youth pastor and yeah. being a YouTuber? Yeah, so um, I, I wouldn't currently say I'm a youth pastor, but that's what I did in church world. That's what I was when um, okay. for, basically being a youth pastor turned me into an alcoholic. There, there's a ringing endorsement. It's Right. <laughs> and But it is true um, in a sense. Like I didn't, I didn't form, I wasn't a partier. It was literally the stress of the job. Right. It was like, oh, I need to unwind, but I have alcoholic genes from my dad. And so I was, I went down a really bad path because of that. And it was, it was uh, not to get too dark too quick, but. No, let's uh, get dark if you're comfortable talking about it. I've had my dances as well in the past. and Yeah, basically uh, my dad drank himself to death when I was 20. So I oh, never drank. I grew up with an alcoholic dad. So I never drank before I was 21 because I had only seen the bad version of it. Sure. And then a friend of mine, uh, his brother probably attempted suicide and was put in a, a medical coma after probably trying to hang himself. And so my buddy came over with some alcohol when I was 21. He was like, hey, I'm stressed. Let's just unwind. And basically I went, oh, you know, I know I probably shouldn't drink, but this is a good enough reason. Sure. And and so that kind of became like this little thing in my head of like, you know, this will probably get you in trouble if you keep doing this, but kind of he- like turned it into my, it's okay as long as it's a bad enough day. Well, when you go into church world, you care and love everybody. And there's mm. always something bad happening in someone's life that you care about. So I started drinking a little bit more and a little bit more. And then um, about 10 years ago, next month, or 10 years next month, we had a, a window of time happen where there were multiple teenage suicides. Oh. Um, and it, one of them was just a girl that was very prominent in the community. And I was like an on-site counselor the day afterwards at the local high school. And then one of my own students in my small group shot himself in the head. And my coping mechanism was alcohol. And it was just hit after hit after hit in a very short period of time. And I just it turned into, I just can't stop drinking. Well, it work. It works for a while. Yeah. You want to yeah. shut off? It works. Mm-hmm. I got. I had to die about a nine or ten year, you know, lead on you. I started very young, and mm-hmm. uh, started because my father died. Turned yeah. eleven. That's when I started drinking. Mm-hmm. I know where the liquor cabinet is. I know how yeah. to get a chair. <laughs> That's it. it and it, right, and it's it it makes you feel better for the moment, but then you can get yourself in big trouble. And that's when you have those alcoholic genes like I did. It just, it it turned into, I I can't stop doing this. Oh no, this is out of control. And it it sucks because that went down right when my oldest was, you know, a newborn. And then Mm. when I was in that alcoholic phase was when my second child was born. And so like, I I hate even thinking about the window of time during their being you know zero to four years old because it was just the worst years of my life where i was just out of control waking up feeling horrible and having to take mm-hmm. care of a baby and any fun and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just looking at the pictures is just reminding me of like how big of a mess that i was so it's just it's just a real awful so anyway i mean that's my background of being youth pastor yeah. and so now, and i still work with teenagers now and still i'll speak at like youth retreats and things like that but the thing that it really prepared me for was uh being very patient with people in mm. talking with them. So one of the things I've tried to always have with my channel is being very interactive in the comments and not so much in the comment section now, but like DMs on Instagram, I respond to pretty much everyone. Mm. And you develop a certain amount of patience being a youth pastor and just 
being interested in things that maybe you're not naturally interested in and just kind of having conversations with people and making them feel very welcome. And that's what I very much try to do. And so I do that in DMs. And then when I go to comic cons, it's kind of that same thing of people walking up and sometimes it's kind of awkward. And they, uh, I'll have like a, a mom with their, her 13 year old walks up and the 13 year old's too shy and he can't, he, he, he's so excited to get to talk to me, but he has no idea what to say. Yeah. And so that, you know, that skill set of being a youth pastor of knowing how to ask questions like, so what's your, your favorite movie. Oh, well, I absolutely love Avengers Endgame. I was, I went and was so excited that I wanted to go to see it. And as soon as you ask them a question, then they get, they get sparked up excited. Then when you show interest in what they showed interest in, it just feels special. I, I don't remember where I heard the quote, but you know, someone talked, uh, talked about when, um, when someone meets me in person, that's a fan, it might just be a random Saturday for me, but it's a big deal for them. And exactly. if I make them feel special, they'll remember that. And if I make them feel like they were um, inconveniencing me, and like even if I'm not rude overtly, but if I f- make them feel like they're, why are you taking up my time? They'll, they'll remember that too. And what what do I want them to remember? I want them to to have the same experience that they get from a video in person. Yeah, and that's so a that's really where good the youth person helps. It. it definitely is because, and I've said this before: if you're kind to somebody, they'll tell three, four people. If you're da- if you're an asshole, they'll tell fifty. Yeah. And that's the way that works. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a bad day or a bad moment, but mm-hmm. if you're in the public eye, guess what? It's mm-hmm. going to get out there. You know, it's, it's somebody made a quote like, and now it's actually turned into reality. Act like you're being recorded at all times. Yeah. And we're pretty much being recorded at all times yep. now. So it's kind of was good advice when I heard it. But yeah, you know, y- you got to just imagine how you're being perceived and see if you can actually look mm-hmm. through that lens at yourself. That's been a big lesson for me. I'm still learning. And that's one of the things for me that even with the kind of Twitter's, you know, uh, pounce mobs. Yeah. That has kind of helped me out of like, I've been out there enough and I've met enough people in real life that whenever people pounce on me, someone chimes in and um, they're like, I, I was went to a conference with him this past summer in Las Vegas. I spent two days with him. He's nothing like what you're saying. Like he's mm. he's the opposite of every single thing that you're trying to say about him being angry yeah. and not caring about people. He had no reason to be as friendly, like and just being kind to people, like that they'll have your back. Um, and especially these days, it's it's kind of important to have people that can vouch for you and just say, no, no, he's he's not like that in real life. Oh, I, I think the I word know. angry is like the 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 last thing I would use to describe you. Right, that's what's so funny yeah. about some of this stuff. I, I had uh, come through it all. Like uh, the the latest Marvel TV show was She Hulk, and it's you know it's Ali McBeal in in Marvel comics. I've never watched Ali McBeal. I'm not really interested. I'm not the target audience, so not surprising. I wasn't a big fan of it, and so I just kind of like I literally just put out my first tweet. Like we couldn't even post reviews yet. All we could post was a tweet, our reaction to it. And I was like, you know, it has its funny, charming bits, but it didn't really work for me. And I had someone being like, Sean, one pattern I've really picked up on is kind of the underlying rage in your reviews these days. So I was like, what are you talking about? This is not good for my rage. <laughs> like, what, what? What? I don't understand. What grid, what glasses are you wearing right now that that's what you pulled out of my reviews? Underlying rage. I literally paused to say like, yeah, it's kind of charming. It's not really for me. 
How dare you be so angry? Yeah, that's so stupid. You know, and it's like, especially nobody knows what a joke is anymore. I posted a yeah. picture of, I'm, I won't say her name, but it rhymes with Marjorie Taylor Green next to a, a minion, one of those one-eyed minions. And I'm like, I finally figured out what who she looks like. Why are you so mean? Go away. Now you don't exist anymore. That's yeah. See, I don't have any more patience. Maybe I should be a youth pastor and gain some. I've already had the alcohol problem. I got that covered, but I don't have any pa- – look, if, if, if the only way you can get into my consciousness is through your keyboard and I don't want to – you're gone. I, yeah. I treat my social media like a comedy club. You mm-hmm. yell out. That means you're posting something nasty on my post. I'll smack you down like I mm-hmm. do in a comedy club. There's your warning. The second time, you're out of the club. I don't need to know you exist. And I know that's probably not the best way to, to build your numbers, but I, I'm a quanti- I'm a quality, not quantity kind of guy when it comes to that. Not everybody's going to appreciate what you do. Everybody has different standards and, and, and everything's subjective. What you do is subjective. Yeah, you know? and for, even for your mental health and just oh, that's you can't it. have all that, that. You can't have people like – here's the problem I have is I, I just – one of my faults as a person or one of my gifts as a person – you can decide depending on the interaction goes both ways, but I, I'm just so naive. I always think I can talk people into being reasonable. No, God. that I can talk them into understanding. If I just talk enough, we yeah. can find that bridge. I just, I, I, I know it's not true. I have, especially being full time YouTube for four years now. I absolutely know it's not the case. But every time I think if they just understand, if I just say it a little bit better, they'll understand I'm not that thing that they say I am. And even even in the last week, I saw some quote about if you know someone can't be convinced, stop trying to convince them. Like, yeah. And I, I just I just I I keep trying to play that game. So I'm trying to do a much better job of muting more people on Twitter, not going down those rabbit trails and just identifying from the beginning who are the people that their starting point. They are not looking to understand me. They have already assumed from the get-go, I am this thing over here. And if they've done that, there's no point in trying to convince them. No, and it's becoming less and less possible because we can't agree on what truth is. Right. And that's that's that, that's where it all crumbles because there is no truth anymore. Um, I don't know how it comes back, but you can't talk somebody mm-hmm. out of believing what they believe. Mm-hmm. You just can't. You can't do it anymore because it's become their identity. Right. And that's really what, what what's happening. I don't know. We need to just have more fun and do more silly podcasts and, and movie reviews and, and just concentrate on what brings people joy because right. people are just yelling at each other. And I got into that a little bit and I'm like, Ugh, this is stupid. This is not the person I want to be. And it's not the people I want in, injecting their poison into me. So, hey, Chris, speed round. Speed round. All right. Let's do the you speed want me to round. Handle this part. All yeah. right. So this is... This is a new feature to Dunkle Vision. So, Sean, I'll give you two things. You can only pick one. Oof. All right? Oof. And you just got to, like, you know, just belt it out. All right? So, Marvel or DC? Uh, see, this speed rounds I'm the worst at because everything I want to overanalyze it because the general uh, – There's no the time constraint. It's just, there's, a, it's just a label. <laughs> so, when it comes to the characters, I think DC has a much better set of heroes and villains. Who has the better cinematic universe, the better movies these days? Uh, I think Marvel has just been, they've just really knocked it out of the park the last 15 years. Mario or Sonic? I think I like Sonic. He's faster. (laughs) Netflix or Disney Plus? 
I think I have to go Disney Plus because I have kids. And I think so too. Man, it's, it's, it's got everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pixar or Disney Animation Studio? Mm. That was tough. That's that's yeah, that's that. Whew, that's a tough one. I w- I'm gonna go Disney Animation because those are my childhood movies. I'm just sure. old enough that Pixar came out that. Uh, I, that wasn't my childhood. So like the Renaissance, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. I, I, I have to go with those ones. Twitter or Facebook? Oh God, is there those are the only two options? <laughs> uh, man. I... I've got an answer. I'll give mine while you're thinking. I'm going to say Facebook just because it's how I met Chris. There we go. It, this does produce some pretty cool things. Even though I I constantly block somebody, Brian, um, you were brought up better than that block. How dare you comment on how I was brought up, woman? I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that's tough because Twitter's so useful and it's so easy to connect with so many people, and it is just a toxic. Do you have a blue check mark? I don't, but I've never tried to get one. Either. You gotta buy one. You can buy one now. <laughs> that's true. Bringing the power to the people. I'll sell you one. Very reasonable. <laughs> Maybe I should do that. Um, I, I think I would have to go with Facebook because I've never thought about quitting Facebook and Twitter. I sure. think about quitting daily. I and I, I delete the app from my phone all the time because yeah. it's just it's such a cesspool. It and really uh, is. even one of those uh, those three guys that I talked about on um, YouTubers that influenced me, critics that influenced me, asked him some advice. I've only talked to him a handful of times. I asked him like. You left Twitter. Why'd you do that? And he goes, because it's a cesspool. Delete the app. Just get off there. That was his advice that he gave me. <laughs> I didn't listen to it, but I should have. Yeah, it's just turned into an echo chamber for me because there's mm-hmm. nobody on there that I don't agree with anymore. Right. Get out. There's like one. I have one, one hardcore friend. I'm like, yeah, it's just him being him. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me honest a little bit with, his, with the, the lies. <laughs> and, and finally, Jason or Freddie? Uh, Jason, um, Freddy's obviously more charismatic and fun, but I grew up on Friday, uh, Friday the 13th. Those were the movies I was watching on TBS, TNT after mom went to bed. I I was watching him go to Camp Crystal Lake and chop people up. And then when I could start going to movies on my own, Jason X came out. One of the great, terrible movies of all time. Saw it with the most obnoxious crowd, and everybody was in the mood to watch a really stupid movie about Jason Voorhees in space. But then the next year, I had the same experience because Freddy vs. Jason came out, and that was a ton of fun opening night, too, with just an obnoxious crowd. Love it. Yeah, I got to see a movie in a theater with some people. It's been a while since I saw it, especially a comedy with a pact. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go out. Have some fun. Uh, there's uh, do you know Bert, Bert Kreischer is? He's a comedian. He rips his shirt off as soon as he gets on stage, and he's <laughs> you know he he shouldn't. That's why it's funny. <laughs> he's got a new movie coming out, with, directed by Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, oh, called the machine. Called the machine. I'm really looking forward to that because maybe this could be you know, getting back to those yeah. kind of you know just going for it comedies, which we just don't get to see anymore. Is that for it for the speed round? That is it for Speed Round. And we have uh, just a couple fan questions. So I'll put it out there uh, to our folks. Do you have some questions for Sean? Mike asked, do you have a content creation schedule? Like how far ahead do you know what you're going to do? Yes is the answer. Essentially what I do is because a lot of what I do is I rank whole franchises. To rank a whole franchise, you have to watch all of the movies. So I have to have a certain idea in advance to be able to get everything watched. So like right now, I'm trying to 
cover all of the Steven Spielberg movies. He's been making movies for 50 years. There's a lot of them. He's got a catalog. Yeah, and it that's a that's a, it's and it's so diverse too. Yeah. Like you've you've got in the same year he put out Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Yeah. Like those are right. two A plus movies, very different movies. Yep. But so I go into each year and I do like a, a, a very rough draft idea and I just look at every movie release date and I put them on calendars and just try and think, what do I think that would be the obvious big videos that I would do related to that? And what do I think would be like a huge thing that I could do? And then I normally think about three months in advance. I try and have like a pretty good brainstorm of videos that I want to do about three months out so I can get everything watched that I need to get watched. Um, and then I'm also very, I try to be very flexible too. I, I don't hardline myself. Like it's, I, I very much ebb and flow with what feels right. What, uh, what would, am I getting too overworked? Am I, am I doing well enough? Can I take that my foot off the gas or like, I, man, I'm just feeling energized. Let's go for it. But about three months in advance, I have a pretty good brainstorm of it, except this time of year. I, I don't, I haven't start. I won't start thinking about next year until the end of December. And so most of the year I'm three months out right now. It's only till the end of the year. Gotcha. Cool. And uh, Dave asks, is it difficult or possible to watch a movie just for fun? Or do you always have a thought process as you're watching it? Like, do you ever just escape? That's a good question. It's um, doing what I do for a living absolutely just jacks with the way that I watch movies. Because now there's so many movies I need to watch. It's it's hard to just go, I'm just going to put something on because because I want to. It, mm-hmm. You're always thinking, what do I need to watch? And most people, they put on a movie when they want to stop working. Watching a movie is my work. And so that, that division disappears between work and leisure, the escape. Um, and I, I would say it's on the deciding what to watch. That's for me what's difficult. And yeah, it's very- Me too, man. Because like I spend an hour- yeah, just going through, scrolling through. Yeah, and there's, and if there's so another many person options. involved. Forget it. Yeah, what yeah. haven't you seen? I've seen everything. Me too. Well, what about this? No. Yeah, and, or like, or or I haven't watched that, but I don't want to pay that much attention right now. I kind of want to play yeah. on my phone while I watch it, and I want to watch that. So right. I just you go, the, all, and there's so it. Every streaming service is like walking the aisles of Blockbuster Video in 1997, <laughs> it really and is. it's like, oh, that. There's so many options, but then when you also add into it, what do I need to watch for the future? It's so difficult. I feel like if I'm just watching something, it doesn't terribly diminish my experience. I'm good enough at what I'm doing or that it doesn't diminish being able to watch something and just enjoy it, but it's tough to choose what to watch. That's where it really hits me. And we have one more fan comment. Dave wants to extend major kudos for ranking the Hellraiser franchise. There's a lot of awful <laughs> direct-to-video sequels that are not easy to get through, but you did it. So in a week, to pass that along. <laughs> I watched all of them in a week too. Oh, it was poor God. soul. Yeah, it was intense. Chris, I got a follow-up here. Um, what is your? Do you have a specific daily schedule? Do you treat this like punching in or are you more casual about it and, and you just kind of when, when inspiration hits you or how do you do that? Because the comics get asked that a lot. Do you sit and you write? You know, what's your process? Man, it it, it, it kind of depends on the season. Like I, um, I try to have a – after I'd been full-time for a month, I, I went, mm, I need to remember to be my own boss. So I started buying like daily planners and – there are windows of time where I'll start the day, 
writing out what my plan is for the day. What do I need to get done? What's the best schedule? And then I'll kind of like, what would an ideal day look like? And I don't try to hardline myself too much, but um, try, try to think like, okay, I want to take care of myself. So I want to wake up early enough to go to the gym da, 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 and I'll come up with a great schedule. And then enough life happens. And there's, it, it's such a chaotic schedule because sometimes I have press screenings at nighttime and I'll have, I need to get my review out by a specific time the very next day. So, uh, you know, Tuesday night, I went and saw the new Black Panther movie. 11 a.m. the next day is when I needed to post my review. So I just, man, I had to get home, write my notes, go to bed early, wake up early to shoot, edit, post the video before lunchtime. Oh, wow. And then I'm, and then I'm done for the day. The work Are you more of a morning them. type guy than a late evening guy? I mean, you got three no, kids. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've always been, I could just kind of stay up late at night. And I don't, uh, midnight um, to two, man. Midnight mm-hmm. to two. I love those hours. And then I yes. got to get up and take the kid to school. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it. I just love that. I love that time. I, it's so creative. It, it, that's where the creativity happens for me. All that to say, I try to. And in windows of time, I will. So right now, I'm not very disciplined with my time. It is a little bit kind of scattershot. It's all over the place. Uh, generally speaking, I'll, I'll try to shoot videos before lunchtime. But like today, I did my hair right before we we started recording this interview. Once we're done, then I'm going to start shooting part of a video for Saturday. So it's, yeah. it's so scattershot. And hopefully... Um, I like probably in the new year, things all things slow down in January. I'll probably try and do a reset and get back into having a more disciplined schedule. But certain times a year, it's just so busy. It's so chaotic. So much stuff is dropping that it's just all over the place. Now, you know, you've already touched on a lot of great information here, but um, you know, is there any other advice that you haven't touched on advice for people that are, they're aspiring creative people like, you know, like my kid, what should I be telling my kid? You know, I talk, what do you like about this guy? Take some notes. If you want to do this, it doesn't just happen. Start thinking about it. Like, what's your advice for people that want to get into this? And, and especially uh, in a post-pandemic world. I think the the first one is to say, just start with no expectations. Um, just start because the cost of entry now is $0. In your pocket, you have a 4K video camera. And all of us on on here are old enough to remember what video cameras looked like back in the 90s and think about what is in your pocket right now on your phone. Your phone has a More powerful than the computers that sent the men to the moon, if you believe in that. Right, and it's- I do, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And it's right there in your pocket. In your pocket. And and so you've got that phone. Prior to going full-time, I used a webcam for my video uh, for my videos. I didn't get an actual camera until I went full time, and then I upgraded to using an actual camera. I was just using a webcam because the technology is that good. And YouTube is free to upload stuff. There's free podcasting options. So if you're interested, just start with whatever you have right now. Experiment a lot, and everyone I talk to says, "I wish I had started sooner." Everyone does. Yep. And some people they start and they go, "Oh man, it's not for me," and they quit. But everyone that sticks with it wishes that they had started even sooner. Even us that have gone full time, it worked for us. We wish we'd started even earlier on this curve of all this stuff. So start now and just make regular deposits. Just try and get a little bit better. And as you gain success, as you figure out what were 
the money is best spent, then up upgrade your technology. Uh, a mic is a better spend than a camera because your phone already has a great camera and people care about audio more than they care about video. They will turn mm. off bad audio, uh, but they'll okay with, you know, lower res video as long That's as it's good, good no. enough. Sure. Um, and lighting goes a long way in making video looking better. Yeah. And so just having good spending money on a light versus spending, you know, spending $50 on a light versus $2,000 on a camera. The light is such sure. a good investment that will make everything look better when you learn about lighting. Um, and just, just start. You don't need a big investment. You don't need big expectations. Don't assume that you'll be an overnight success. Like people look at my story and they go, oh, in two years, you went from zero subscribers to full time while delivering paint. That is absolutely factually true. But more importantly, there was 18 years of experiments that failed before that. It took a long time to kind of have that overnight success moment. A lot of failed experiments, a lot of setbacks to get there. So start wherever you're at and just slowly start building those skill sets as you go along, figuring out what you enjoy doing. I, I tried blogging for a long time, years. I, I, I Actually, I think even still I've had more time as a blogger than as a YouTuber and I had zero <laughs> success as a blogger and I did it longer. But there's all sorts of things I learned about coming with titles, clickability, and I realized I, I'm not prolific as a writer. I'm pro more prolific as a talker and video it's editor. it's a tool in I'm, your box. It's a tool mm -hmm. in your box that you use now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just and, an and accumulation. You, and you, you keep accumulating skills yeah. and eventually you learn enough from your past. You look back and you go, what's everything I can learn from all these different things? And eventually you piece them together and you find success. Yeah, you know, this is really I'm I'm going in this with a with a different attitude than I ever had before. I was always that guy, like, I'm like, what am I getting a cell phone for? I got a pager right here on my <laughs> belt. Like I get the page, I pull off the freeway, I find a payphone, I call you back. What's the big you know? But now I'm like, I don't want to be that guy yelling, get off my lawn. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, now teach me. You're not too old to learn. It's just a lot harder. And you know what I learned? Mm -hmm. If you want to make a YouTube channel, you know where you can find out a lot of information? YouTube. Yep. How do I do that? Every time I would get stuck and I thought I'm doing this for my child. The world is ending. I'm doing this for my child. Yep. And nothing, it was the hard, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And I figured it out. I figured yeah. out how to do green screen. I, and it, it the information is there yep. if you're patient enough. Uh, why don't you tell uh, people what you have coming up next? What's the next thing we can uh, look for and where can we go to check out your stuff and where can we support you? So if you look me up on YouTube, if you look up Sean Chandler, you'll either find an NFL player or a guy that is talking about movies. <laughs> it's the guy talking about movies. And, and S-E-A-N, uh, correct? S-E-A-N, yeah. There you go. Sean Chandler. Uh, Sean Chandler Talks About is the name of my channel and you'll find me on YouTube, um, on Twitter at Kirk Never Died and uh, Instagram at Sean Talks About. I didn't do that thing where you have the same name on everything. I have a different name on every single channel, yeah, unfortunately. That's good, good branding. But, but uh, over the next few weeks, I'll be talking tons of Marvel, and then there's a new Spielberg movie get coming out, so I'll be talking Spielberg at the end of the month, and then next month, we got Avatar, so I'll be talking about it. I cover all the big franchise stuff. Um, I'm a, 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 Even though I'm a grown-up, I still like all the stuff the kids like, so well, fun escapist know. things. That's the thing. It's and, and here's the saying, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your yep. life. And, and I think we all need to hold on a little bit more of that kid inside mm -hmm. of us. So thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed talking to you and, and imparting a lot of knowledge. Go check out his YouTube channel, support him and, uh, and be creative, man. Like he said, just do it. 
do it and figure it out because you're just going to talk about doing it unless you just do it. So thanks a lot, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, brother. Take care. Well, I am hoping to take a lot of that information and apply it to my own stuff that I'm trying to do. That was really, really informative and uh, really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, I, I saw your eyes lighting up like you were just taking all this information in. And uh, he's, he's really an inspiring guy. I mean, everything that he's been through and the, uh, yeah. you know, channel, you know, all this positivity and just put it out there. There's so much crap on the Internet that it's just good to see somebody putting something positive out there. Um, you know, I know the for a long time, I'd say at the last 20 years, the the angrier reviewer was uh, kind of a popular trope on YouTube, just kind of guys mm. like, you know, hating on a movie or a video game and this kind of thing. But it, it's kind of cool nowadays to have just people be positive, you know, about it. It's kind of like first season of American Idol when just the negativity got so much attention. They saved that but- all for me. There's the one season of <laughs> hatred and anger for Dunkelman, and then we'll clean up our acts and uh, we'll get on with it. What we're really wanting to do here. I don't know, man. I think it's a good thing that this is a trend that's happening in all of society and life. Like maybe we should just try and lighten up a little bit, try and uh, concentrate on the positive And maybe it's, you know, it's, it's easy. It's easy to shit mm-hmm. on things. It's just, it that's, it's sport. And, um, you know, let's 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 bring up all the ships at once. You know what I'm saying? And I'm an aspiring. I don't know what I'm aspiring. I just want to do fun, creative stuff and not get on airplanes anymore and not have drunk people throw stuff at me. Um, and um, I I don't really need to leave my home. And it's really exciting for me to learn all of these things and all these potential revenue streams that I can create and cultivate and do it on my time. And, and, and based on what I want to do. And so I, uh, I really appreciate you getting him on as a guest, brother. That was yeah. really fun. And um, I'm going to have some honey and tea. I don't know what's going on with my voice. Look, I'm not going to apologize for being sexy. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's my instrument. How's that? Maybe it's the new mic. This new mic is making me hoarse. That's okay because yours is going to give you cancer from what I saw from your Apparently, yeah, I know. That's, Just don't get your mouth close to it. You don't want to get your mouth close to anything that's going to give you cancer. I think that's why I couldn't get it to work today. I think it's too busy causing cancer. Listen, it's just not as easy as it used to be, but it's yes. worth it. So I, I really love this message. Just do it. I've been talking with uh, you know my buddy about doing a fantasy football podcast. Nobody's watching. Nobody's listening. It doesn't matter. We're having a good time. We're learning how to do something, and it's a blast. I really enjoy it. It's just another tool in my box, and if you make it, they will come. Is that something? Is that a thing? Is that a saying still? Maybe he's reviewed a movie that has that saying in it. Um, Yeah, yeah, we hope you check out out his his channel. I'm going to ask my son if he's ever seen him on on the YouTube and um, encourage my kid. You know, I'm like, you know, you, you need to know how to edit. I can teach you. Oh, okay. And just like this doesn't just happen. You apply yourself and you create something. And you know, you're dead weight, kid. I know you're nine, but <laughs> you kick something in. Kick a little yeah. bit in. Groceries ain't cheap. Gas ain't cheap. Put your children to work. Put your children to work for you, is what I'm saying. That gravy train doesn't go forever. No, that gravy boat's leaking. Mm. Yeah. Well, I need we a really your water bottle. <laughs> That's very nice, man. 
You like that? It's from the Donald Donald Trump collection. Oh God! Fake and empty. You sure you did? We don't get political on this podcast. No, just not us. vote. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully vote for did. joy. Vote for joy and happiness. That's on the ballot. Joy and happiness. <laughs> Keep yes. coming back. Keep supporting us. Hey, check out the other podcast. I'd never be able to do it without Chris. He taught me everything I know. OG Fantasy Football. It's available where you, where you get stuff. You know how to do it. Keep coming back. Tell your friends about Dunkle Vision. We're having really, you know what we're having? We're having real conversations here, y'all. About real stuff. About real troubles. Real troubles of the past. And overcoming them. And flourishing. Love Dunkle it. Vision. We're all about flourishing. There's a t-shirt. There we go. Get that Hey, if off. you want to get a t-shirt, you Speaking can of which, do we have t-shirts Daily. available? We do have t-shirts available at dorkdaily.com slash dunklevision. Um, you can also, uh, at the bottom of our videos on YouTube, you can also buy t-shirts. They just will pop up uh, right under all of our videos, which is very exciting. Um, and if you want to support uh, Dunkle Vision and Dork Daily in general, the Dork Daily umbrella, the the if you want to be a, a dork for dunk, you can go to patreon.com slash dork daily and dunk. support us. Just call yeah. me Dorkleman. Dorkleman. Oh my gosh. I'm in call worse. It was one of my first it was one of my first comedy bits. The owner of the bar that I worked at, he's just like, you know, you, you just you're a very unique looking person because you're kind you're you're kind of handsome, but you kind of dorky. Oh, thank you for expressing that. That was in your brain and you made it go past your vocal cords and out and into my ears. That's great. So I'm uh, half handsome, half dorky. I'm horky. And then we had a whole wonderful bit that we did on The Tonight Show. Didn't go over that well. Nobody needs to know that. You can't find the video. Go ahead, look for it. I have it on VHS. And you don't have it online. And that's the way I'm going to keep it. Well, let's watch it next time. Until I do it again with my friend, Jimmy Fallon, who I played pool with. I've done things. I've done things in this life, Chris. You have. I know, man. Chris, what a joy. Thank you again for all your hard, 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 hard work. <laughs> I, I always nail it until the last second when That's I try okay. to close it up. It all crumbles. You, hey, you did mouth. most of the talking. You did most of the talking this time. I'm tired. I think people don't know how tired you get sitting down and, and talking. Yeah. It's exhausting. I have my voice. You're back. My vocal cords. <laughs> I'm going to go take a nap because right, I buddy. can do that. You enjoy Keep it. coming back. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Dunkle Vision. It's all that matters. There's a t-shirt. Dunkle Vision. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. Buy a t-shirt. Dunkle Vision. Buy a t-shirt. What if there was a t-shirt that said Dunkle Vision? Buy a t-shirt. Get. Can I get a discount? Get me one. I'll wear it. Sales will go through the roof. Nothing could go wrong. I was a finance major in college. <laughs> I was a terrible student. I thought a 401k was a really long race. And that's a joke from the old act. Enjoy it. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. Peace out.